Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 475 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I interview Primoz Vavok of Ember Heart Games and ask them about the design and development of their high fantasy-inspired boomer shooter, Wizardom. Older listeners may remember a game called Heretic. This Wizardom is very similar to that, only less shooty, more puzzly. We delve into this. Pun intended, by the way. Dungeon, delving, no, oh, please yourselves. Into this aspect of wisdom, in that it's more puzzly. There's lots of little tricks and triggers that you have to solve to get through each area. Not only that, but there's also lots of secrets to unveil. There's also a portal, of course. We all know portals are bad, so it's hardly surprising that most of the game is you focused on you closing said portal because they're not very good. The music is by Tim Stoney, Matthew Hulluin and Brent Houston. Now, if you notice, again, the older listeners may recognise some of the, shall we say, tones of the music, very similar to what was emitted from old sound cards from those days in the early 1990s. Now, it's not quite the same, thankfully, because... Uh, it, they're kind of hard to listen to these days, but they still have a kind of hiss to them. It's quite interesting what they've done, but the less of the hard stereo, they kind of made it uh, a little bit more palatable to one modern ears. So, without further ado, let's listen to me from the relatively recent past, talk to Primoz about the wondrous and wonderful game that is Wizardom. Chris, take it away. Hello, Primoz. Hello, Chris. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Okay. So, yeah, my name is Primoz Volk and I'm an indie game developer. I'm working on, on games. 
multiple games, um, so to speak. So yeah. So you're on your uh, own. You 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 basically you, you do contract some stuff out, I assume. Or, yeah. yeah, mainly I myself. I'm uh, writing solo. Yeah, but lately I got additional help because I'm running out of out of time for everything. So, and it's always. I mean, I love to work with others as well. Excellent. Okay, so um, how did you make your start making video games then? Well. Uh, when I was growing up, when I was around eight or ten years old, uh, my father uh, brought home a PC for '86, and that that changed uh, like my life entirely. When I was when I started playing games, um, I knew I I want to make that. And every game that came with level editor, I was making levels for the games, and you know, and when I was old enough, um, yeah, I just went into it. <laughs> What was your first title? The first title I played? No, the game you made, the thing you thought you'd finished or at least get to a point where you thought, yes, I can actually do this for a living. Okay, well, the, like the real commercial title was Career of the Crypts. That was first commercial title. I wrote the whole engine for the game. I, I also wrote the whole game myself, the art and everything. And um, yeah, at that okay. point I knew that yeah, I can do it. I can do that. If I was crazy enough to write my own engine, I can do something with existing engines as well, you know. <laughs> and do you remember one pivotal moment when you realized that actually, no, I can do this because there are self-doubt. Maybe you didn't have any self-doubt, but there's any point where, you know, this is tough, this is difficult, but I, I can achieve something, I can bring something to I think that was the same game, The Career of the Crypts, because I spent a lot of time on that game and I finished it, I released it, and I sold the game. And it was really hard for me, but yeah, that was, I mean, somewhere in between, I knew that I can do that. I mean, I can do that, but smarter, you know? <laughs> so the next question, and this one's not particularly easy to answer, but maybe mm-hmm. it will be for you, but let's give it a shot. What, as a creator, are your biggest influences? Well, um, yeah, that's that's pretty hard, actually. I mean, my bigger influences are still uh, the games from my youth, actually, because um, those games had the power to create worlds that I could got lost into. And I'm not sure if that's because I was a kid or if that's because those were my first games, but they had some kind of magic in, in them, I think. I don't know. I always return to the games, to those feelings I had with those games, and I um, look for inspiration in them. Actually, so it's the so, the sense of building worlds, people building worlds for you to experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely done it with wisdom. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, old games had like I think um, because back in the days. People had, like, I, I think um, the imagination was much more different between games, you know. I, I think in, in games nowadays, there's not so many um, variety in fantasy or, like, in ideas, so to speak. Maybe it's, uh, I mean, that's that's how I feel, you know. I think that older games had much more courage to explore new ideas and try out new stuff. And that's what I want to do with my games as well. Next question. What video game developer do you admire most and why? Whoa, that's also a hard one. <laughs> Let me think for a bit here. I mean, I'm not like 
I don't have any big companies in mind right now, but it can be a person. Yeah, a pro- you know. Of course, I, I really, I mean, um, I love um, the old eat software, like you know, uh, John Romero and you know the whole team that did like Doom and Wolfenstein stuff like that. Those are like my inspiration as well. But if we look at um, developers these days, I would say. Sam, Sam, who is working on Turbo Overkill, you must have heard about the game, and um, he's like, you know, he's the one guy who made the whole game by himself, the modeling, the game design, the level design, and programming, and that's like, um, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, and the game is amazing, and yeah. Just to repeat really, the name of the game again? It's Turbo Overkill. Okay. No, that's, that is quite an extraordinary title. So, and yeah. by by one person, yeah. And knowing how much work goes into the game, and knowing that he has done everything by himself, almost, um, it's yeah, it's out of this world, yeah. <laughs> so, last question of the first half. Here we are. Yes, I think they do get harder, but this one should be relatively straightforward. Could you tell us what are you playing right now? Actually, I'm playing multiple titles. <laughs> Obviously, what was the last thing I was playing? Um, I'm playing Iron Fury, the new um, DLC. I'm playing the. Uh, let me think. I'm playing Songs of Conquest, which is like Heroes of Might and Magic like. And I'm also playing. I need to think because I have like you know I always have like six eight games I'm playing at the time because I don't I don't have time to sit down and just you know to play one game for like a few months so I mean these are the games I'm playing lately I'm sure there are more but I don't have time to play so many games anymore that's that's the thing yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's cool uh, so you know with two I'm working on two games simultaneously and I have a family so it's really hard to find the time for anything else here yeah <laughs> okay okay all right that's fine that's fine but it's great that you're getting bits and pieces here there and everywhere in, be- yeah. in between hammering away at that keyboard which we all appreciate you doing all right thank you that's the end of the first half well done you made it okay yeah <laughs> let's move on to the second half of the show where we delve okay. yeah we shall be delving deep into wizardom
could you tell us what is wizardom? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, wizardom is first-person spellcaster, retro-inspired game where you are playing one of the last mages of wizardom. And wizardom is the sanctuary for the gifted ones, um, the people who have the gift for magic. And the thing is that um, this sanctuary was founded by one of the greatest wizards who, well, spoiler alert, who also dabbled in some dark magic and opened the portal to the cosmic prison accidentally. Accidentally. And um, yeah, so the chaos was unleashed upon the world. And here we are, yeah. It's... It's heavily inspired by uh, classics like Hexen, Heretic, and Catacomb Abyss. And I figured, yeah, the world world needs more games like that. And yeah, here I am doing it. So <laughs> I have to say, love the backstory. Everyone knows. Uh, don't don't make portals. Only bad things come. Yeah. <laughs> so don't don't do that. But it's yeah, it's a wonderful idea and wonderful sort of it's presented in such a way if you want to so you know it's it looks like if you look at a screenshot, indeed if you watch it on a video, it looks like something from thirty years ago or something initially. But then you see it moving and it's not because the frame rate is up to Wazoo. <laughs> it's about <laughs> sixty, I think. I think you got it locked at sixty. Something yeah. like that. It's very, very smooth and Done nothing. There's no flickering of any kind. The colours are very bright and vibrant. Really, popping out of the screen. Incredible stuff. I personally did play it with mouse and keyboard because I thought it was fitting. Although you don't have to. Can't stress it enough, everyone. But I just found it more. I just you know I can flip between both control methods. I'm fine with it. Many people can't, but I don't mind. I generally play that kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, an FPS with mouse and keyboard. But like I said, you can play it with controller, it's fine. Now, my first design question to you is this. Mm-hmm. The layout and sense of motion of Wizardom is uh, somewhat akin or very similar to uh, what we call or what are now known as dungeon crawlers, like mm-hmm. Eye of the Beholder or more recently, Behold, uh, Legend of Grimrock. Mm-hmm. It's more recent. It's probably more, you know, contemporary yep. example. But it doesn't move like those. It's not a tile-based square shift, square shift. It flows. It's like a river. It just you can move around and do not where you like, but you just you don't. That's not that kind of experience. It's very much a fluid mm-hmm. thing, and it therefore feels like heretic or hexen, as you mentioned earlier. But I think there's more, it leans more to the more traditional dungeon crawler in, in a lot of aspects. Was this deliberate? Were you deliberately mixing the two up, or is it just sort of something you come up with? Well, um, first of all, uh, the whole game started out as a prototype, right? It wasn't meant to be a full game, it was just meant something um, for me to play with. Just so if we move even uh, further back, um, few years ago, I was playing uh, Catacomb Abyss. Do you know Catacomb Abyss? It's like, yeah, so um, I was playing this game, you know, just, I was feeling nostal- nostalgic and <laughs> I, I just wanted to play play it. So 
when I was playing it, I figured I figured that I'm having a lot of fun, even though they're only like um, rectangular blocks, you know, the walls, and only a few enemies, one weapon, few items, and you know, there there was nothing um, much more to it. But I was having a lot of fun with the game because it was casual, it was um, relaxing. It it didn't require me to have full focus on like a dozen of shortcuts on the keyboard and combos and cooldowns and whatnot. And so um, because of that, I, I wanted to make a prototype in, you know, just to see if I can do it, how it would feel. And over time, I just posted, I think, uh, a small clip of it on Twitter. And it got like huge response. Like It got like over 1,000 likes on that tweet. And it was like, you know, I was making a game for for a few years before that, and not even one tweet got that kind of attention. And I I figured that I might be onto something. And and yeah, um, so back to your question, actually, was it like intentional? Yes, it was intentional because um, the plan is to have a game that's enjoyable without having complex structures. And, um, you know, it can be enjoyable. And that was the plan. All along. Yeah, because those dungeon crawlers required you to have a big thick book notepad which you're writing all the everything out and just mm-hmm. making notes and draw, drawing a map out. <laughs> just, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's excruciating now because they don't have the time, but back then it's what they expected you to do. My next question then. One of my favourite aspects elements of wizardom are the puzzles because you're trying to get further and further and closer and closer towards the idiot who made this portal in the first place <laughs> and um and it requires the player to complete a sequence of things they need to do they need to break a sphere open they need to do all sorts of things to open up areas as they go not mm-hmm. so much a key. There are keys, don't get me wrong, but not always. Sometimes, and the secret passages when you find them, it's very rewarding. You know, you push a painting, like, oh, well, the painting's moving. And then it starts to keep going, and you make a corridor, and it's filled with goodies. It's great mm-hmm. stuff. It's just, you know. But that's not all I'm asking about. One of the things I've found about the switches and the, the puzzles is that, that in order for a player to complete these sequence of things, there's also, and I think this, I hope it's intentional, that the the player has exposed themselves to more and more danger yeah. in order to succeed. You know, this starts off relatively simple, but the deeper and deeper you get, there's fireballs, there's spikes, there's monsters, and all three at the same time, trying to stop you from completing this sequence. And I've just got to ask, designing this sense of, or infusing tension into wisdom was this again an intentional thing to raise the anxiety of the player so they feel in you know in mortal danger the further the closer they get to the to the you know the the, the puzzle what, is yeah. that, was that intentional yeah definitely um like i said before first of all i want i want it to be casual and enjoyable and relaxing but at the same time um you need to push players at some point, you know. You need to challenge the player in order to have the satisfaction of and to enjoy the reward the game offers you, right? And so, yeah, 
I definitely want that, and we keep doing that over the next series of levels in the episode and in the game. So, and uh, how have you found designing that aspect of it? You know, you've got that balance of making it approachable, and not not too um, difficult or difficult to understand, while at the same time presenting the player with a challenge. Well, in my previous game, I was designing too hard puzzles and too hard. Um, the traps and dangers so i've learned that and it's much easier in resortum we are also balancing the traps by difficulty levels so for example on normal difficulty you'll have like um, three fireball turrets right on easy difficulty you will only have one on hardcore difficulty you may find additional spike in between those fireball turrets so yeah it's um you're try, trying to balancing that way. And I'm quite enjoying designing those traps and puzzles, actually. <laughs> it feels like you were enjoying it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so my next question, and it's something that really is very prominent in mm-hmm. the user interface of, of Wizardom. It's quite big. You can't miss them. Is resources, mm-hmm. you know, Ammunition for your spells, for the fireball spell with the two hands that you emit mm-hmm. fireballs. Wonderfully animated, by the way. Really cool. <laughs> and uh, and uh, your hands are hovering above you as you're firing these fireballs. And, you know, it's a big glowing, not glowing, but it's a big number. You know, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's really in your sense of the peripheral vision. Yes, you're focused on the centre of the screen, but somehow you managed it so it's not hidden, whereas... I've encountered many games, I'm sure you have too, is that oddly enough, the core you know, resource that you need to maintain and monitor a lot is hidden somewhere in the corner and you can't even see it. You know, it's, whereas somehow you've managed to, to pop that from the screen. It's really impressive. But that's not really the nature of the question. Is, it's the resources themselves and their presence in the game and the constant need to maintain them and monitor them and check on them. Why is it there? Mm-hmm. So the question is, why are, why are we having so many different resources? Or Yeah, well, both. Both are different resources, but the need to manage them as well to make okay. sure you're not expending them too much. Okay, so uh, I, I would say there, the answer consists of uh, a few things. One of the things is that it keeps the game a bit more interesting because you are staying busy, you know, with some management in the game. So, you know, okay, now I have a lot of um, ice shards. So let's, let, let's use that rather than fireballs. So it's like that. And it, but it, this also forces you to use different weapons. Even if your favorite weapon is fireballs, you can't always use fireballs. You'll have to use some, like, spell striker, you know, for a while. So this whole system pushes you, you know, to switch between weapons and to keep the things a bit more like uh, not less boring but more interesting if i may say we are also having so many different type of ammunition or let's say mana mana is to have more different pickups to collect you know because um in hexen or heretic you have like two types of mana you know if you have green mana you have uh, blue mana and weapons are using either or both so it's like with assistance like that, then you have like, okay, I'm using one type of ammo, so which weapon I'll be using? 
and most likely you end up using one weapon all the time. So yeah, in Wizardom, I want the player to experience with different type of weapons. I think for me, it's what I call the BFG effect. I've said this many times to friends and um, it's basically when you get that magical potion or you get that massive gun, go, great, I'll keep that for later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then never fire it or never drink yeah. that potion in the entire game. <laughs> so, so now I'm of the, I use the axiom of what if the developer seems okay if you give it to me now, it's up to me to judge when and when I'm going to use it. And soon, very soon, within the next five, ten, maybe even two minutes, I'm going to use that thing I've just got. I'm going to. That's the point. That's why you dropped it there. That's why it's there. Not three hours in or four hours later. No, it's about a couple of minutes from now. (laughs) You know? I know. I have the same problem in games. Yeah, I know what you mean exactly. <laughs> so I've been training myself to do it, and I've done a wonderful job in Wonders in Wisdom. You've done a really good job of really encouraging that behaviour. Like switch it up. You'll find more ammo. It's fine. You'll get mm-hmm. some more. Yes, you'll run out, but you switch to the other thing. And then there's the the big blue sphere. You you'll be fine. It's fine. Yeah. Just exactly, use it. Yeah. Exactly. It's there to be used. No, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a nonsense. People do it, yeah. but uh... just just before the new demo, we had much less ammo in the game, and some playtesters, playtesters, and some players were reporting the you know the anxiety of losing the ammo or using the ammo, and we figured that's that's not so much fun. So we just throw in much more ammo. So you know, play with it, use it, but don't be afraid. You'll find more along the way. So. Yeah, punching through things with the mace, the mace though is good. Is good fun. I love hitting things and then strafing around them behind them and hit them again. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's, it's, perfect. It's, really, it's really good stuff. Don't, don't I basically yell because I feel like I'm a like a, a warrior mage and I'm going not the face, not the face. <laughs> <laughs> with the recent update, uh, which is still in development, uh, we added a mana for the mace as well. So now when you pick um, raw mana, we call it. When you pick it up, you get an enhanced uh, mace, so you deal much more damage in melee. So makes sense. That's what that's what they do. That's what warrior mages do. They yep. mess mess around with the swords or whatever weapons they're wielding. <laughs> so my last question is this: the texture of the sound, okay, in wisdom mimics mimics what was the old sound cards, the ad libs. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the Gravis sound card, because that was a little bit later, but certain, definitely early Sound Blaster as well, like MIDI sort of. It mimics it, but it's not the same, mm-hmm. rightly so, because that's a little bit jarring. The The stereo is too awful. You've definitely smoothed all that out. You've made sure that while it has the same kind of feel to it, it's not the same. It's much more like a, like a tribute to it. Mm-hmm. How did you achieve this effect with the, with the sound of music? Uh, well, I didn't write the music myself, so no. it's it's hard for me to answer that. But um, well, sure, you had something in mind to, 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 yeah. to talk to. So basically, what I'm really asking is, yes, I know you didn't do it personally, but what would what kind of 
discussion and design process was there to make it happen? That's really what I'm asking. Yeah, so the idea was to have, um, you know, like the whole game, it should uh, remind, remind the players, should make them feel like they are playing the game from the 90s, you know, like you said, on Sound Blaster. So, and that was that was my main idea for the game. And so um, I think the music was done by using the Roland Sound Canvas. I think composers will know about this. Um, so, <laughs> which is that, like, like you said, it's simulating the Sound Blaster stuff um, from the 90s, right? It's not the same, but it gets it gets really close to it. Yeah. I mean, clo- close like it feels. You know, if you if you don't ha- have it to compare with the old one, um, you will think it's the same. But yeah, but we are also adding the hi-fi version to the game for the release, so players will be able to choose between both. Fantastic. So yeah, no, I mean those sound cards are they are very very expensive, and you can't put them in modern computers anyway. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but you know, a, a sound, well, not a sound, Gravis sound, sound card would actually run you about three hundred US dollars. It's just, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just. And now it's got to the point where people are using Raspberry Pis to emulate them, or or other, or rebuilding them from scratch, mm-hmm. and it's just crazy. So, <laughs> but I just love the fact that you spent just that little. You didn't, didn't have to. You didn't have to. You yeah. could have gone. You could have gone modern and just let. But it's just that little high sort of buzz. There's a little buzz in the background, like a filter, little hiss. Just yeah, as yeah, if yeah. you know, it's just because the components are quite right. The crystal's slightly off. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, <laughs> that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. and even, even the sound effects are designed in with a similar idea in mind. Um, the sampling is lowered. You know. To make it like more um, noisy, more like, um, so yeah, it, it's small details like that. It's also slightly muffled in some kind. It's lovely. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, yeah, like exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because you had these crappy like sort of speakers or something like that. Like, because that's what it. That's what we had. We didn't know. It's just we <laughs> right. take it so many things for granted now. Anyway, wisdom, uh, which I'm going to spell it for everyone because it's not er. <laughs> It's W-I-Z-O-R-D-U-M, Wizardum. Because when I was looking up on the (laughs) – I can like, why why is it not – I can't find Wizardum because I kept putting the A instead of the O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to help with – so Wizardum has been developed by Ember Heart Games. It's a wonderful name. Where does it come from? Thank you. Well, it was – I wanted to – I mean, when I was uh, coming up with the name, I wanted to join passion and love, you know, ever-burning passion for games in the logo, and that's it. That's Ember Heart Games, basically, yeah. That's very poetic. Having ever-passion, ever-burning ever passion for creative endeavor, that's really awesome. And it's published by Apogee Entertainment, which is mm-hmm. quite extraordinary. There you go. It is. And what, a plat- what platforms is it available on? Well, right now it's on GOG... Steam and Epic Games, um, you can play the demo there, but it will also be released um, on November 15th um, uh, on all those platforms in early access. Nice. Okay, well, thank you very much, Primoz, for being such a fantastic guest. Thank you, Chris. It's been really illuminating hearing about the design process behind Wizardom, and uh, we do wish you the very best of luck. With its full release, it's 1.0, but um, you are very much welcome to come back 
to talk about what's next you're working on. Mm-hmm. And we will be here. To. Yeah, we will I would. Be. All right, sounds great. I would love to. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. So there it is, wisdom in a kind of nutshell, whatever that means. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I certainly enjoyed talking to Primoz. He was very open and honest about the creation of his game. Next week, in episode 476, we'll be featuring Brody Duncanson and Dave Lockman of SMG Studio. And they're going to be talking about their team-based arcade puzzle game, Moving Out 2. Now, their first game, Moving Out 1, was featured in the previous episode of The Sausage Factory. So this is a return visit by SMG Studio. Talk about its sequel. It's really, really fascinating chat. I do hope you uh, do download that and have a listen. But until then, let's listen to me, my pre-recorded self, signing off. Bye! You have been listening to The Sausage Factory Podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website caneandrinse.com. <laughs>